Hello and welcome everybody to our service today. Our theme today is the Eucharist, or Holy Communion, or Mass, as people commonly know it as. And we're going to be following the theme from Rome Williams' series in his book, and it's this, this time it's the subject of the Eucharist. So Holy Communion, it changes the way that we see things as well as people. It changes how we see the world. And it changes how we see one another. As we learn to see our neighbour as God's guest. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that a little bit further into our service. But first of all, let me just talk to you a little about the vestments. Or in other words, what I'm wearing. So hopefully you can see me clearly now uh, that I'm off the platform there. The traditional vestments worn by priests at the Eucharist remind us from whom we get this service. They remind us that we are linked to what our Lord did at the Last Supper and what the church has been doing for the last 2,000 years. The priest presiding at the Eucharist represents Jesus and therefore wears the sort of clothes that Jesus would have worn at the Last Supper and when he gave us this command, do this in remembrance of me. So, Let's just look at the, the vestments in a little more detail. The alb is this white robe I'm wearing underneath. And it's a long cotton or linen garment, commonly worn by men as everyday dress at the time of Jesus. And in fact, still today, you can see it in certain parts of the Middle East. And then on top of that, is the stole. And this strip of coloured material is often worn with a fringing, mine doesn't, but it represents the teacher and teaching. And it shows their authority. And mine today, just to point out to you, if you can see it on the camera, at the bottom here, has some embroidery representing the church in Ricelip in Middlesex, which is where I became confirmed in the faith some, uh, well, 40 years ago. It was also where I got married, and it's also where I did some training to become a priest. So uh, that is particularly important to me to be part of my priestly role. So we come now to the beginning of our Eucharist service. And I'll walk you through the service and then talk in a little bit more detail at the point where we would normally have our sermon. So the Lord be with you. 
Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your name. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. So let us confess our sins in penitence and in faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and in peace with all. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought and word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. And Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today's reading is from John, chapter 6, verses 48 to 51. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is the word of the Lord.
So we've now come to the point in the service where I have the opportunity to just talk a little bit more about the whole concept of the Eucharist. And I'm going to share with you the introduction to the uh, chapter on the Eucharist from Rome Williams' book that I was telling you about earlier. Listen, I am standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you with me. And that's from Revelation 3, verse 20. So for Christians, to share in the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, means to live as people who know that they are always guests, that they have been welcomed, and that they are wanted. It is perhaps the most simple thing that we can say about Holy Communion, yet it is still supremely worth saying. In Holy Communion, Jesus Christ tells us that he wants our company. How astonishing, really, is that? And I began the service by talking about how the Eucharist changes how we see the world and how it changes how we see one another. We do that through the mechanism of hospitality. It reinforces and it sustains hospitality that believers want to show to those in need. It obliges us to look at other Christians and take seriously the fact that they have been invited too. No matter who they are, where they're from, the colour of their skin, whether they're poor, rich, refugee, or a nearby neighbour in our parish, all are welcome. And you know, one of the wonderful things about Jesus is that he created fellowship wherever he was. And it is one of the things in the Gospels that he is most remembered for. Jesus sought out company, and the effect of his presence was to create a celebration to bind people together. And here's a good example. And again, I'm going to refer to Rowan's book. There are many stories about Jesus and hospitality in the Gospels, but there is one in particular that tells us something very crucial about the Eucharist. It is the story in Luke 19 of Jesus' arrival in Jericho and his meeting with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, is worried that he will be unable to see over the heads in the crowd. So he climbs a tree, hoping that nobody will notice. Of course, Jesus does. He stops under the tree and looks up. 
You can imagine several thousand pairs of eyes looking up at the same moment towards a scarlet-faced tax collector perched on a branch. And the collective intake of breath when Jesus says to him, aren't you going to ask me to your home? In other words, Jesus is not only someone who exercises hospitality, he draws out hospitality from others. By his welcome, he makes other people capable of welcoming. And this sense of hospitality and welcome is right at the heart of the Eucharist. We are the guests of Jesus. We are there because he asks us and because he wants our company. At the same time, we are set free to invite Jesus into our lives and literally to receive him into our bodies in the Eucharist. And one of the most wonderful and unique things about the Eucharist is that we invoke Jesus and his spirit. We call him to be present. And we are able to do this only because he has first called us to be present. His way of welcoming Zacchaeus and his way of welcoming us too is to say, Aren't you going to ask me to your home? And the Eucharist makes no sense at all if you do not believe in the resurrection. Without the resurrection, it becomes simply a memorial meal, recalling a sad and rather overpowering occasion in that upper room. In the Eucharist, we do not simply remember a long-since dead Jesus. We celebrate the presence of the living Lord. And he lives through the resurrection precisely as the one who has gone on ahead into the new creation and transformed the new world as the one who is himself the prototype. The Jesus who gives himself to us as food and drink is himself the beginning of God's new world. Now the Eucharist, we are like little children, the little children of Israel in the wilderness, tasting fruit plucked from the promised land. It is the future coming to meet us in the present, in the now. Jesus had, after all, gone ahead of us into God's new creation. And as we look back to his death through the lens he himself provided, that is, the meal he shared on the night he was betrayed, we find that he comes to meet us in and through the symbols of the bread 
and the wine, which are thus taken up into the Christ story, the event of new creation itself, and become vessels, carriers even, of God's new world and the saving events that enable us to share it. It is the breaking in of God's future, the Advent future, into our present time. Every Eucharist is a little Christmas as well as a little Easter. The theologian Tom Wright says it, sees it as time and space telescoped together within the sacramental uh, world. Past and present are one. Together they point forwards to the still future liberation. What happens in the Eucharist is that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this future dimension is brought sharply into play. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. We do it in remembrance of him. We become, for a moment, the disciples around the table at the Last Supper. Now, isn't that a wonderful thought? So we gather at the Lord's table as God's guests because God loves to have us here because Jesus requested the pleasure of our company but we are also there as those who have the capacity to betray the hand of the one who betrays me is on the table with me says Jesus and he dips the bread in the sauce and passes it to Judas. He warns all those around the table that in a couple of hours' time they are going to abandon him. That too is part of what is going on at the Eucharist. The Eucharist reminds us of the need for honest repentance of the need to confront our capacity to betray and forget the gift we have been given. And that is why the Eucharist is not, in Christian practice, a reward for good behaviour. It is the food we need to prevent us ourselves from starving as a result of our own self-enclosure and self-absorption, our pride and our forgetfulness. So let us remind ourselves that we take Holy Communion not because we are doing well, but because we are doing badly. Not because we have arrived, but because we are still travelling. Not because we are right, because we are confused and wrong. 
Not because we are divine, but because we are human. Not because we are full, but because we are hungry. And so that element of self-awareness and repentance is completely bound up by the nature of what we are doing in the Holy Eucharist. The celebration and the sorrow, the Easter and the cross are always there together. And as we come together as Christians, we come not to celebrate ourselves and how well we are doing, but to celebrate the eternal gift that is always there. And to give the thanks that are drawn out of us by that gift. Amen. So let us now declare our faith in God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you.
Lord, we thank you for all that is good in our world, even with the current pandemic and struggles. We thank you for our families. We thank you for the technology that allows us still to talk to them in these difficult times. And we thank you for the structures of our society. That means that we haven't suffered any shortages. We thank you for the scientists and the National Health Service who have worked so hard to find solutions for us all. And we praise you for the good news around violence, vaccine efficacy and the reduction of transmissions. We would ask you for greater strength in dealing with these, for the strength to continue going on with our current measures, to understand that we need to continue complying with the rules despite the good news. We pray for those still on the front line. We pray for those who have been infected. We pray for those who are suffering other hardships. And we pray in this difficult time that they may find solace in you and in prayer. We pray for the outdoors and that we can still enjoy the environment. We pray for our leaders and the leaders of other countries, particularly given the events around the world, which shows us that actually other threats exist and other suffering continues, such as the oppression in Russia, the conflicts and the borders between China and Taiwan, China and India, and for the civil unrest in Myanmar. We pray that these things can be resolved peacefully. And we pray for those nearest and dearest to us to remain safe to get well and to enjoy. Hear our prayers. Amen. We come now to our time of peace. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share in his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Do feel free to share the peace with whoever you are with in your homes at this special time. You are with Jesus wherever you are. We come now to our communion prayer. The Lord is here. His spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and to eat 
with you. In Christ, you shared our life that we might live in him and he in us. He opened wide his arms of love upon the cross and made for all the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And on the night he was betrayed, at supper with his friends, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. So as we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ, our risen Lord. And with your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, 
and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. After communion, we traditionally say this prayer. God of glory, you nourish us with your word. Who is the bread of life? Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that through us the light of your glory may shine in all the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And our final blessing. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and in the love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among with you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in love and peace to serve the Lord. Amen. We will meet when the danger is over. We will meet when the sad days are done. We will meet sitting closely together and be glad our tomorrow has come. We will join to give thanks and sing gladly. We will join to break bread and share wine. And the peace that we pass to each other will be more than a casual sign. So let's make with each other a promise that when all we've come through is behind, we will share what we missed and find meaning in the things that once troubled our minds. Until then, may we always discover faith and love to determine our way. That's our hope and God's will and our calling for our lives and for